0: Alright, I'm here with Victor, Hello. Uh, and we're going to walk around the Caixa Bank. Maybe even ask some people if they know that this is the building, <laughs> the Aguasanta. This Bat- is a recording of me and my friend Victor walking in the historic center of São Luis, the capital of the northeast state, Maranhão, in Brazil. So let's start by crossing the street. They're not dying. <laughs> we're going to a street corner across from one of the oldest plazas in the city. It's a humid, 85-degree afternoon, and we arrive at a bank. Why is there no plaque? I just don't understand. This Kaisha bank used to be a pharmacy 70 years ago. And today, there is no mention of what this place once was. The only thing that is still around with ties to this building's history is a pink soda drink called Jesus. Hello, I'm Thatcher Warwick and this is Object Obscura. The historical investigative podcast about people, objects, and their stories. This is episode 16, Jesus, Jail, Juvenile. Weeks before meandering the streets of San Luis looking for this old building, I heard the words for the first time.
1: Temos preparados para
0: pedir já? Exato. Sim. E aí para beber eu vou querer, uma coca, duas águas e uma Jesus. Jesus? I had no idea what Victor was talking about. It is not something religious, but it's named after the man who made it. As Victor explained, it's a soda that was created in the state of Maranhão, and its bright pink in color. But the history behind this drink is somewhat mysterious. He told me it was made by this pharmacist, by accident, 100 years ago. I decided to give the drink a sip. It tastes like it looks. Pink carbonated bubblegum. That's so close to me. It's like all these museums are right here. What better place to find answers than at the Museum of Gastronomy here in San Luis, the second one of its kind in Brazil. We are talking with Wagner Duvalli, a trainee at the museum.
2: My name is Wagner Duvalli. I am a trainee here at the Museum of Astronomy in São Luís. And here we show some tourists some typical foods and drinks. And one of the things we show is Guaraná Jesus.
0: I don't really like Jesus. Do you like the taste of it?
2: I do. I mean... Not from Maranhão, I am originally from Rio de Janeiro, but I like it because, as I said, there is this idea of recovery. Even though I'm from Rio, my family used to take Jesus from here. If you are from Maranhão and are visiting someone in Rio or São Paulo, and you want to give this person a gift, it would bring Jesus, you know? So, firstly, because it was traditionally from here, there was nothing like this in the rest of the country. And finally, because of this idea of recovery in childhood.
0: The drink Guaraná Jesús has been around commercially for 70 years. Its origins, however, date back to
1: 1927. Uh, So,
0: Guaraná
2: Jesús is from 1927. In the beginning, it was not a soda. It was a medicinal syrup.
0: So, this drink called Jesús is named after its creator, Jesús Norberto Gómez. The drink was apparently made as a medicinal syrup for young kids, hence the color. And we heard from another source that it was created by accident. However, other historians state that the origins of the Jesus soda were not linked to the creator's medical background. But what is fascinating is that Jesus Humberto Gomez, at the age of 14, started working in the pharmaceutical field. So, I've lived in San Luis for seven months so far. In almost every restaurant here, you can find Jesus in a can, plastic, or even glass bottles. They all have a very recognizable logo on their label. It's his name, Jesus, written in cursive. It's actually his original signature. So, back in the museum, I pointed at some of the bottles on display and asked Wagner a question about the cursive signature logo. Uh, So, is this his signature on the label here? Yes,
2: it is his cursive signature. And if I'm not mistaken, a family member of his, who was visiting here, said... That this was one of the main clauses of the contract that must be followed. To keep the idea of a family business, keep his signature on the bottles, because another company would buy the brand but it would keep the signature from you.
0: This is a commercial for the festival of saint João, a month-long celebration in this city that has in turn made its way onto Jesus' canned designs. The drink is known here as o sonho Cor de rosa the pink-colored dream. On the modern metal Jesus cans, the slogan reads o sabor de viver o Maranhão, the flavor of Maranhão living. This drink is an extension of the city, and vice versa. So who was Jesus, and what family business did he really create? That was my mission for this investigation. It's a commercially sold, mass-produced modern object, but has clear visual representations to its past and its logo. Before I left the museum, I asked Factor one more question. What was this drink really made of? Is this the guaraná fruit here? I'm pointing at some of the fruit on display, resting in front of the Jesus cans. I want to know why the drink is called Guaraná Jesus. What is Guarana? No,
1: no. No, no, it is not. As
2: I mentioned, this is only in the context of typical foods and drinks from this area.
0: Wagner explained to me that Guarana is a fruit not from this state. Here is me and my friend Victor at a restaurant. So, Victor, why is it called Guarana Jesus? What is Guarana?
1: Okay, First, Guarana is like a fruit, yeah. a very, very rare fruit here in Brazil. Uh it is like very small. So here in Maranhão uh, you can find it. You, really? prob- you probably can find it in Pará or in Amazonas because they are very remotely
0: restricted to these areas. So in the whole state, I mean Maranhão is pretty big, yeah. I couldn't find it. Probably not. This was really confusing because here in the northeast there are many drinks with guaraná in the name. Guarná Antarctica, Guarná Amazonia, and Guarná Jesús. But to actually get the fruit, you have to go to the state above Maranhão, in Pará.
1: <laughs>
0: this is a recording of me in Belén, at the famous Verú Peso market the capital city of Pará at the basin of the Amazon River. I'm dodging through tightly packed stands and booths, trying to find Guaraná and see it in person. It's a fruit you can't miss. Imagine a red, pumpkin-shaped fruit the size of a marble. The flesh part of the small fruit is white with a stark black seed coming out of the center. About 20 of them grow in a stalk, like tons of eyes looking at you. lá, você guaraná a fruta? Outro lado, essa rua. Tá. Obrigado. So, unfortunately, I couldn't actually find anyone selling any. You can hear me speaking Portuguese here. And the funny thing is that I had to specify that I'm talking about the fruit, not the drink.
1: Meats of the Island of Mace, you know?
0: interesting. But, like, also the name of, like, saying Cola Guaraná, that just meant, like, like soda. and the- This is Victor with me back in San Luis talking about his grandmother.
1: Oh, and there is this thing of, of uh, she's mentioning uh, Guaraná being, like, refrigerante.
3: Yeah. And then,
1: that, yeah. back then, like, years ago, even Coca-Cola, people would not, like, call refrigerante de cola or coca-cola, they would say guaraná cola, mm. in, in a reference like guaraná being refrigerante, no? Interesting, and that all started
0: with guaraná. So interestingly enough, the fruit flavor, guaraná, that was used by Jesus became synonymous with the word soda. I was compelled then to just look at the ingredients on a Jesus can. I saw that guaraná extract was used. However this was advertised differently when the drink first hit the shelves. One 1930 ad describes how cola guaraná, quote, is exclusively prepared with selected guaraná fruits and a fizzy drink with a smooth and fine taste. Here is Wagner from the Museum of Gastronomy again.
2: It's made with guaraná extract. That is the reason it's called guaraná Jesus, right? So it's not made from the guaraná fruit directly. It's the extract and it also has cinnamon as well.
0: So this all brings me back to Jesus Humberto Gomez, the drinks creator, and why he chose this flavor profile. Most people say that Guaraná gives you energy and strength. Guaraná can be sold in powder form to make energy shakes, and even in coffee mixtures, because it has caffeine. By the early 20th century, a lot of pharmacies were using enticing fruit flavors, like Guaraná, that has super energy properties. But where does Jesus Noberto Gomez fit into Maranhão's medical history?
4: Jesus starts working at the pharmacy, and he
5: ends up becoming a reference in his own pharmacy after a while, and later becomes well-known on the island, and in the city of São Luis, too. And this is in a period where access to medicine itself was very limited, So the pharmacist, so to speak, was almost a substitute for the doctor. He prescribed and he treated people.
0: The voice you hear is Cristiane Muniz Thiago. She is a historian and professor who researched Jesus' life when she studied here in San Luis.
5: In the beginning of my professional career, I spent some time teaching in Maranhão, right after I finished my doctorate degree. As I arrived in Maranhão, I was introduced to Guaraná Jesus. This spice, we could say, and it is a very important symbol of Maranhense identity. So, in short, as a historian of memory and of identity, it called my attention a lot, these identity constructions around Guaraná Jesus.
4: As identitárias em torno, eh, do, do Guaraná Jesus
0: And it's this connection of gastronomy to geography that marks San Luis citizens called Ludovicenses as the most popular consumers of Jesus. Here in the state of Maranhão, Guarana Jesus outsells Coca Cola. One of the 13 main distribution facilities is here in San Luis, managed by the Solar Company. How did this family business become what it is today? In order to answer that question, we have to talk about the man who jumpstarted his pharmaceutical journey with nothing.
4: O, o Jesus, ele nasce interior do do Jesus
5: was born in the countryside of Maranhão, in a big family with a lot of siblings. And he ends up, after his father passes away, he becomes a sort of breadwinner, the one who supports and helps the family to take care of the widowed mother.
0: Jesus was born with seven other siblings in Vitoria do Meirim in 1891 a small countryside town about three hours south of San Luis. His father actually was planning to move to San Luis, but then died when Jesus was just 12 years old. So the young Jesus went to the capital San Luis and got in touch with a pharmacist. He worked as a medical deliverer at a pharmacy called Farmacia Marques. At 20 years old, Jesus bought a pharmacy called Farmacia Galvão and later renamed it to Farmacia Sanitaria. He then branded it with his own name, Jesus, by
5: the 1920s. So he moves to San Luis, and he goes to live with some family friends and gets a job in a drugstore. Jesus then stabilizes himself in this medical branch and has, let's say, success both in terms of social and economic recognition. And this is what allows him later on, after he's already married with grown up children, to create an educational and professional path for his kids in the future.
0: He officially opened his largest pharmacy with the Jesus name in 1925. This was a crucial time for Jesus because he got his degree in pharmacy studies the same year. The location of this pharmacy was perfect. It was in the heart of the historic and commercial center in front of the Plaza of João Lisboa. For 10 years, business was great. But the Guarana Jesus, we know today, didn't really get popular until the 1940s. Because just years before, in 1936, everything changed. Jesus was suddenly arrested.
5: But anyway, the fact is, Jesus is arrested for association to the communist movement, and he is taken by ship to Rio de Janeiro which was the federal capital during that time, along with 81 other prisoners from Maranhão. There are few elements that actually link him to the communist movement of the so-called Intentona. They claimed he had met with businessmen and affiliates to the Communist Party. Members of the party here in Maranhão and he had been organizing some plans in the state. He and his family denied it, though. His wife had a great role during all this process of his imprisonment, which was not rare back then. She wrote letters to government officials, to the president, requesting intervention on behalf of the family and his children.
0: Brazil's 14th president, Getulio Vargas, was strictly anti-communist in the middle of his first political reign. So he rounded up people suspected of being affiliated with the Communist Party. Jesus was arrested in the spring of 1936 and placed in the local asylum prison here in São Luis. He then was transported to a prison in Rio de Janeiro. There's a picture of Jesus wearing a clean white suit looking out past the prison bars. While trying to run a pharmaceutical company, he was also the father of seven kids. This time must have been very confusing for everyone in the family. Jesus's imprisonment was the main focus of girishiani's research, and she actually spoke to Alier Gomez, Jesus's youngest child.
5: I have already done an interview with Alier, was the only living son of Jesus Gomez. He is the youngest son and only one still alive.
0: Mas ele está vivo agora.
4: Si, si,
5: oh yeah, he's still alive. Ah,
0: oh, okay. In Grishiani's early research, she calls the Jesus family guardians of memory. I never truly understood that until I read Alir's book. It's concise, small, and stock full of Jesus' company documents and photographs. Alir kept the family's memory alive by writing this book.
5: You, you Alir is, in a sense... A representative for the family's memory. Not only because he's the last child of Jesus alive, but because he has dedicated his life to tell his father's story and to narrate his father's memory.
0: I got in touch with Jesus's only current living son, Elir, and his wife, Zeze.
1: Olá, bom dia.
3: Bom dia.
4: Bom dia. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Olha só. Eu vou passar o telefone para ele, ok? So, I'm going to pass the phone to him, okay?
3: Gotcha. Olá, bom dia. Bom dia. Good morning. Oh, I just want to say that at 87 years of age, remembering times from when I was 5 years old is impossible. You just can't remember, you know?
0: So, this is Jesus Nuberto Gomez's son. Jesus was the youngest child of his parents, just like Alir was to Jesus. He was born in 1935, a year before his father was put in jail. My friend Victor is asking some questions here to Alir. What was he being accused of exactly?
3: Of being a communist. My dad was not a communist. He had very elevated ideas. He thought that Russia was the best place on earth.
0: At this time, Russia was just coming out of their own depression, and their strife was global. But the Brazilian government saw that any positive sentiment related to the Russian people's strife as direct ties to communism, and so, it rounded people up. While I spoke to Alir and Zezé, I had my hand resting on his book. At times I would flip through it and see pictures of the original Guadalajos labels from 1927, and even. Jesus' mugshot from when he was arrested.
3: So, I wrote the book to be able to tell the real story about my father. That was it. I did the book. I never was a writer, never published anything. But the desire to tell the truth about the man who deserved it made me want to write it that way.
0: He titled his book, Jesus Gomez, Sua Vida, Seu Sonho. Jesus Gomez, His Life, His Dream. And it was Jesus' dream to become the best businessman he could for his seven kids. And Alir knew this in retrospect, because of how his father treated other people in the community. After Jesus' six-month stint behind bars, he was sent to be released because of a letter his wife wrote. Alir's mom, Gengida, was very supportive of the business, and rightly so, because she couldn't take care of seven kids with a husband behind bars. Gengita convinced the Brazilian government to let him go after writing a letter. The original document is scanned in his book. But this was at the dawn of the Second World War, and so Jesus moved to Rio de Janeiro. He went back to the city he had just been imprisoned in.
3: When in 1940, before the war, my father took the family to Rio de Janeiro. We lived in Rio de Janeiro. He kept coming and going to São Luís, to Madaniao, We stayed five years in Rio de Janeiro waiting for the war to pass. When the war was over, we came back to Madaniao. All of us Madanienses were staying in Rio de Janeiro except my brother, Vinicio, and he graduated in pharmacy studies too. So we still went back to Madaniao.
0: Jesus not only took his family to Rio to wait out World War II, but the dictatorship in the state of Madaniao. He was able to give his children a possibility of getting an education. One daughter, Ilva, also went into the pharmaceutical field.
3: Why take the family there? So that my older siblings, there are seven of us, could study and graduate. So Elva and Ilva, Ilva was the older sister. They took the pharmacy entry exam right away and went to college. And then it's
0: about 15-20 minutes. It's interview with Nidia
4: Nicolau.
0: This is me in an Uber on the way to speak to another member of the Jesus family. We first had to scale 10 floors in a high-rise apartment to get to her door. the Here, here. Thank you. I'm in the apartment building's soundproof elevator with another friend, Pedro. Yeah, this is so, is this like,
3: soundproof,
0: that is it? No, I'm not sure. We wait in front of a code locked front door to meet Ligia Nicolaou. Hello, nice to you, welcome. She is Jesus' granddaughter and Elir's niece. She is the daughter of Ilva, who Elir just mentioned earlier in the episode.
4: My mother was essentially his right hand because she was a pharmacist and she was the oldest. This is because her first daughter passed away from childbirth. So she was one of the oldest and she worked directly with him in the lab.
0: What are some memories you have of your grandfather, Alir?
4: Well, about him, very little because I had no notion about who he was or how great he was. It's just such a shame that I couldn't share his intelligence the way as he was. He's only in my memories as a very small child, how he was tough, and because he was strict, maybe he was too
1: disciplined.
4: So that's the idea I have of him. Unfortunately, I have not deprived myself of seeing his story today as a mature adult.
0: The family business was now taking flight. All of Jesus' children, including Ilva and Alir, worked in some capacity in the soda business. But not all soda endeavors were successful in the family factories. Even one son, Jesus Jr., created his own soda under the Jesus name that never caught on.
3: First I joined Banco de Brasil and I worked there for six years, and then he called me and asked me to take over the laboratory. Then I resigned from the bank. I found myself working in the Jesus Laboratory, also in the industry. It was the time we had the biggest expansion. Everybody in the interior of Maranhão sold Guaraná Jesus.
0: By the 1950s, the more the family worked with Jesus, the more they had to expand. New factories were built in San Luis, and the old ones were being renovated. But then, just a decade later, most of these factories were demolished or just forgotten. Where were these old Jesus factories? What is the one place that could be considered the birth of this drink? Well, I had actually walked past it many times, and I didn't even know. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah it's like I told you earlier it was where the Caixa Bank with the ATMs was on the corner of Egito and on the side of the state bank. That is according to some information, but I don't know if it is documented.
0: Alright, I'm here with Victor. Hello. Uh and we're gonna walk around the Kaisha Bank. Maybe even ask some people if they know that this is the building. <laughs> the Agua um, Sanitaria, Farmacia Sanitaria. So let's start by crossing the street. They're not dying. I recorded us walking in the summer earlier this year, and we were both surprised when we ended up at this spot, a modern Kaisha bank on the corner surrounded by old abandoned buildings. This one actually stands out. It's the only building in the historic center to look like a renovated office building, but one from the 1990s with large slabs of cement bricks and wooden Art Deco balcony railings. There are always tons of people waiting in line for the ATMs on the bottom floor. I was curious to know if any of these citizens knew where they really were. It's in this as Ligia mentioned earlier, this location on the corner of Huadu Sol and Huadu Jitu is documented as the original pharmacy, but only in primary source documents that Alir has saved. There is no physical mention of it anywhere in the cobblestone streets of the historic center. is there no plaque? I just don't understand. It's in this building. I actually brought Alir's book with me. There's one photo of this building from the late 20s before being remodeled 30 years later. Some of his workers stand in front of the two-story building and you can see the scale of how tall this building was. Now, I was the one standing in front of it nearly a century later. I held the book up and it was a match to the building next to it. In 1951, the remodeling was finished, which included an enlargement of the factory with the building next door on the corner. That is where the Caixa Bank sits today. These storefronts are facing towards the plaza of Joan Lisboa, which was one of the busiest plazas in the city for decades. But on the backside of these buildings, something more curious. Apparently, there was a shed behind the pharmacy that had a back exit to the parallel road. But maybe the plaque is on who does Okay, so, let's check. go around. Wow, well, this is very steep. wonder if it was like this, though, a hundred years ago. It might be one of those. Wow, it's so different from the back side of it. hmm Pretty much. Even that right there, that could have been the galbao. See that, like, white construction mm-hmm. behind? Whoa. Yeah. I think that's it.
1: I, that's what I mean. I think that- and that one is the blue building.
0: You think it's worth asking these construction workers?
1: Do not think so? Might not know anything about it.
0: The reason I'm so obsessed with the backside of this building is because in 1943, this shed would later become the first soft drink factory under the Jesus industry name. And the thing that strikes me is that no one knows or seems to care. Like these construction workers who casually were building next to the original location of Guaraná Jesus. Most likely on their lunch break, they would crack open a cold can of Guaraná Jesus, not knowing the significance. Why is there no remembrance of what this place once was?
3: Also you ask why there is no plaque? There is no plaque because it does not depend on my father, on the family, on anyone. It depends on the state government. And he was never honored, understand? He was never a politician either. If he was a politician, maybe he would have even had a great giant plaque.
0: I've even told my friends who've lived in San Louis their whole lives that this was the original location of his factory, and they never knew. The Museum of Gastronomy, where we spoke with Wagner Duvali, is just a five minute walk away and yet the staff there doesn't know anything about this location. Also to mention that there are 15 or so restaurants within a mile of this Caixa bank selling Guarana Jesus. And most of them don't know that this was the origin of the most famous drink in the state. And when was the first time you had Jesus?
4: Oh, Jesus, my mother used it to do this. Because nowadays the pediatrician doesn't allow sugar, but my mother used it to give us Jesus. When we were two Mas months old, dela, she took out the familia, gas and let us taste delas, it. Oh, but... <laughs> it's something maybe not recommended. Mas era do pai dela, era uma tradição da but it was her father's family tradition. They all gave us a taste.
0: Well, this was actually quite a common thing in San Luis. Most of my friends say that they were born with the drink and didn't know of any other soda until they grew up.
4: I didn't even drink any water. I was a young girl, and I only really drank soda. I'd open it like this. I opened it. Everyone had some. I would have three of these bottles, and we would go play with the ball around and goof around. I was always used to it and raised it. On Guaraná Jesus. Yeah. I was fat, always fat.
0: In the middle of the interview with Ligia, I was surprised when she asked us a question.
4: Do you guys want some soda now or later on? She can get it now. Hey, can you get the soda and grab the large cups because they seem to love it? de rosa das crianças, guaraná Jesus, Oh cheirinho bom. <laughs> being called Dream Guaraná Jesus, ah, the great aroma. Agora olha no vidro. Now look at the glass, it's better than the
0: can. Lydia talked about the different flavor components, the main one being cinnamon. As we sipped our Jesus during the interview, I started to get nostalgic. The taste was actually becoming familiar and memorable to me. This is the central heart of the story. Childhood and memory. The history of Jesus can't be told without talking about its longevity in memory. There isn't a birthday party picture from a San Luis citizen without an appearance of a Jesus bottle somewhere in the photo. It was, and still is, everywhere. And really was the only drink sold in this area for a long time. These memories are ineffable on all Ludovicenses, even if they've grown to not like the flavor as adults. Its smell, its taste, and of course its color have remained as San Luis's drinkable memento for nearly a century. However, unlike Ligia, Alir didn't really remember his first time trying the soda.
3: If I remember when I had Guadagná Jesus for the first time, no, I, it's very difficult to remember.
0: It's very But what wasn't difficult for Lear was to tell us the truth about the drink's mysterious creation. Actually, that thing that
3: is sold as Guaraná Jesuis had nothing to do with Guaraná. It may have some hints of the taste hidden in it, but it's not the real Guaraná. Then he started to make it. He started to taste it. But it never got there, until one day a friend said to him, Jesus, there's a pink soda that was made in England and everybody loves it. Why don't you make it? Then he took this idea, changed the color to pink, but the taste really stayed the same.
1: We just want to clear up some things. So that story of Jesus syrup made by accident, that it was a syrup that he would have made for his children. No, 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 no,
3: no, no. And it was not a syrup, not meant for kids. He decided to create a soda. He studied how to make it until he got the soda right, you know?
0: So, interestingly enough, the drink was not made by accident, and it was not originally a medicine. Jesus created it with the clear intent to make a soda drink because he already had the appliances to carbonate different drinks. There was a medicinal Guaraná syrup that was sold, but the Cola Guaraná was another separate Jesus product. So the color remained the same, even to this day. And Ilva, Ligia's mom, was the person who found a way to make the pink color permanent.
4: A Cola Guaraná Jesus não tinha nada artificial. Guaraná Jesus cola had nothing artificial, nothing, no dye. But what happened to the color? I know this because that's when I was younger. And my sister and my mother worked there, the natural dye was not allowed to be in the sunlight. So, in the interior of the state, the drinks would be white, and then people would return it. But it tasted the same, it didn't change the flavor. So, even during this management, they had to look for the least aggressive dye, the most natural possible, and end up changing the natural dye because there was a great loss in the consumption, because there was a big change when the color turned to white, because the dye was natural, you know? And that's it. Eventually, they had to give in the modern time, and then artificial coloring was introduced.
0: In a way, saving the drink's color was an act of historical maintenance, To make the color not blanch in the sun was continuing a commercial tradition for the Jesus family history. While I sat with Ligia, Jesus' granddaughter, drinking cold Jesus in her living room apartment, we started reminiscing about Coca-Cola. The two soda companies actually have very similar beginnings.
4: He sold it to Coca-Cola. And why did Coca-Cola buy it? Because if you look at the history of Coca-Cola in the whole of Brazil, there is no soft drink that stayed. When they told the borders, they bought the sodas to leave them down there. Only here they couldn't because the people didn't. It's cultural. It got into the Maranhão people. Because Coca-Cola is a powerful business.
0: In 1980, the Jesus family sold the Guarana Jesus company to Companhia Maranhense de Refrigeranches and was later officially distributed under Coca-Cola Brazil. in 2001. Earlier in the episode, I called attention to the fact that Guarana Jesus has cinnamon, or at least I thought it did. I've looked at every Jesus can I could find. It's not listed anywhere. I mentioned this to Ligia. The only
4: thing I know is what I told you about the diet because the formula is separate. But there are things that you can't even talk about. There is even something written because I know from the resort it has Indian spice, cinnamon cloves, cumin, but the taste, it was very served in the soda. It had no pepper
0: taste, nothing. She later looked at the label and was surprised to not see cinnamon listed. But I remembered a conversation I had with my friend Victor at a restaurant months earlier. Okay. But basically, it tastes like cinnamon, like canela. Like canela. But this thing doesn't have canela. No, no, no. Oh,
1: but... Again, not all ingredients are in a can. For example, people say that Coke... Uh, Recipe is a secret. Yeah, it is just like two. Mm-hmm. You know, some ingredients do not appear on the bottom. Yeah,
0: the, the secret formula. Yeah, secret Like in SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Yeah, like okay. SpongeBob. <laughs> Interesting. Whatever was included in the drink a hundred years ago, the flavor has only changed a little since its relationship with Coca-Cola Brazil.
4: Ah, ele quer mostrar uma Oh, he wants to show you something.
0: Here is Zezé, Alir's wife, again.
4: Everything here is kept away. We keep everything here with a lot of care, because everything here is old, you see? And this here is one little gift.
0: Alir still has his father's original binder of formulas from 1908, And has kept many things from the early beginnings of his dad's life.
4: And we manage, you know.
0: They go into another room and show me a love letter that Jesus wrote on a wooden fan, a Jesus ashtray made in the 1960s, and finally a writing desk that belonged to Elir's dad, Jesus Gomez.
4: With his writing desk, it's in the book, there is a photo of him sitting on this desk working.
0: Over 100 years of history is kept in their Sao Paulo home. I've asked why there isn't a Jesus Museum in the San Luis Historic Center, or at least more transparency at the Museum of Gastronomy, two blocks away from the original factory. There are so many physical memories and artifacts connected to one man's life And although we can't showcase them in this episode, it feels fitting to treat this chapter as an aural museum, where we can listen to the people who knew him well to tell us the true stories.
4: Look, as I told you, even at the beginning, my grandfather's legacy, as I see it, is not only the soda. The soda was important because it was differentiated with a beautiful color, pink, with a pleasant taste for those who loved it. And he took all this to the industry. He was a guy who had another business mind vision. He didn't want it only for himself. Esse é o legado de vovô. Mm-hmm. So this is what Grandpa's legacy is. A man, an entrepreneur, but he wasn't focused only on himself, more on his family. He wanted the common good, but how he produced it what he produced to reach the industry a man who came from the countryside fatherless, leaves his family there a um um frente do tempo acho que não... so he is a horror um man i don't think anyone has been as brilliant as he in our family i can say that easily
1: Dizer isso tranquilamente
3: Well, honesty, seriousness, and everything he did, and all of his actions, and and everything he spoke about. That, in practice, is the greatest legacy a dad will be able to leave. It's the only drink like this in Brazil, here in the north. It is the only remaining soda. No other has survived through time. Just Jesuits remains until today.
4: It is something that has never died and will never die.
0: <laughs> the pink-colored dream of Maranhão will keep on living, just like the history of the Jesus family and the memories that they have documented. Actually, there is rumored to be a new film about Jesus Noberto Gomez, and a screenwriter of this film is one of Jesus' great granddaughters, and it's set to be released sometime in 2023. This is the first object we've talked about on the show that is mass produced and currently still being distributed. Now, full circle, we found the truth of a family history that was distorted and abandoned by the people who continue to support its modern posterity, and now, we can taste Jesus with a new fondness for the knowledge we found from the people closest to its creator. I'm glad that my friend Victor ordered that Jesus seven months ago, or I wouldn't have had the curiosity to talk to Ligia in Alir and make this episode. The pink colored dream still goes on. Thank you for joining us on another Object Obscura journey, where every object has a story. This was a production of the Obscurity Podcast Network. Thank you to Wagner Duvalli and the Museum of Gastronomy in St. Louis. Definitely go to the museum and check it out on Instagram, at Museo Gastronomia Maranhense. Thank you to Cristiane Muniz for taking the time to talk about the history of Jesuits. She would like to thank Mariana Montalverni Barreto Lima and Jose Benavides Esqueros for the access to talk to the Jesus family. And finally, I felt so honored to talk to the Jesus family, Ligia, Elie, and Zezé. So we thank you very much. Please read Elie's book, Jesus Gomez, Sua Vida, Seu sonho, online. Also, I would recommend Jesus do Maranhão by another family member, Al Gomez. Additional thanks to Victor Galvão, Pedro Salimhosa, Flavio Feitosa, and the Fulbright Scholarship Program. Thank you for the technical support, from Ceylon Souza in the radio laboratory at UFMA. This was an anchor distributed podcast, written, edited, scored, mixed, and fact-checked by me and Victor Galvão. The theme song is Bateria Brasileira by Redeemon. All other song and archival credits are in the description. So please go to Apple Podcasts to rate our show. You just select the number of stars and you can write any comment you desire. There's now a way to support us. There's a PayPal donation button on our website, object-obscura.com. I couldn't make the show in Brazil without your support. So thank you for what you feel like we deserve. Want to reach out to us? Well, send us a message on Facebook at Object Obscura Podcast, Instagram at object.obscura, and Twitter at Object Obscura. It can be about an object you want me to research for an episode of the show, or about anything antiques related. I will post all of the pictures of this episode's object and the people you heard voices from on each platform. The next episode comes out in two weeks on Friday, November
4: 18th. When I see it, I start to cry. Sorry. Because my father, he was my hero. He raised me alone. He fostered me alone.
0: See you then.